Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I'm here with George Mays for Text Driven Tuesday. We're back in Hebrews, so you want to grab your Bibles and go ahead and open up to chapter 11. We're continuing where we were last week. This week we are looking at verses 8 through 16, and if you haven't listened to the sermon, that's also helpful as well. So you can check that sermon out. If it's not posted already, it will be very soon on our church page. Yep. You ready, Giorgio? I am. Yep. You're a little tired today. I am a little tired. Didn't sleep great. Nope. But I, on the other hand, slept fantastic. <clears throat> so this will make an interesting should be, podcast. Should be fun. <laughs> Do you have any surprises for me today, though? Before I begin to interview you about your Hall of Faith sermon, I mean, we haven't had a we haven't had a free for all in a while, so I've it's just been it's just been it's building just been up, building up. Yeah, I found I found this meme, found this meme a couple of days ago, and I thought that you would find it funny. It's a little, it's a little, um, it, it's from 2019, I guess. Um, it's from Dragon Con. You ever heard of Dragon Con? Nope, never. It's like a multimedia. Um, like comic book convention, huh. but it's it's uh got movies and TV shows and mm. art and, and all of this. But you know, people cosplay. Mm. They dress up and uh, found a meme from Dragon Con 2019, and I thought you would enjoy it. Okay, this, this cosplay. All right, so there you go. What in the world? Oh, oh no! That's that's actually the perfect outfit, the perfect outfit for these people that dress up as movie characters. Yeah. It is sad. Yeah, it is sad. <laughs> Our tax. Yeah, this cosplayer decided to ruin the weekend at Dragon Con 2019, and it is your favorite scene from yeah. the Neverending Story. Yep, that that is that person has a great imagination. Yeah, you've got to give it to him. People. Fun fact, real horse head. <laughs> no. <laughs> you guys have to just get on and watch the YouTube. People that are listening are so confused. Just get on and watch it. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> All right, George. Yeah. Well, I got something. Um, I'm going to pull it up here. It's, it's kind of a hot, a hot off the press item. It's an, uh, it's an Andy Stanley clip. I know he'd enjoy those. Apparently, this was from this this weekend. From, oh yeah, <laughs> from this very weekend, he. Um, I'm excited. He tells you his elevator pitch. If he's got to pitch the gospel to you, or the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and he's got you in an elevator, here's his elevator pitch. Are you ready? Do you think he actually does this? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. No. Just so Andy Stanley. Just so we're on the same page. <laughs> Andy Stanley does not take elevators. People carry him up steps. He's got he's got an entourage think, with him. He, do you think he's got one of those chariots I like do. Uh, like Sweet Daddy? Uh huh. <laughs> I think he comes to the chair and he says, "Peasants, chair, please," and mm. they carry him up steps. So he's he doesn't ever he's never even in an elevator. Okay. Yeah. I could only see him possibly having an elevator in his church behind the stage to take him out of the worship service, mm. so he doesn't have to be there with all the peasants worshiping. Okay. After he's done preaching, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So maybe an elevator there, quick access elevator, mm-hmm. get him out, out quick, yeah. get him in quick, get him out quick. All right, you ready for this? It's going to blow uh, your socks I off, guess. buddy. Okay. 
following Jesus, as I say, you know, it made me better at, made me better, and it made me better at life. It made me a better person. So about five years ago, um, I, we were doing some, some wordsmithing of some things around here, and it just dawned on me, I should have like an eleva- elevator pitch for my faith. I mean, nobody walks up to me and says, Andy, why are you a Christian? I mean, I wish they would, because, man, I can razzle-dazzle you with, you know, stuff about the resurrection all day long until you either just give up and become a Christian or walk off, okay? But I needed like the elevator pitch, like what's the, you know, what's the short message? Why, why am I a Jesus follower? And that's when I came up with this language, because honestly, it's not because, you know, of some theological insight. It's not because one day I'm reading through the whole Bible and boom. The reason I'm a Jesus follower is honestly because following Jesus has made my life better and it's made me better at life. So, of course, I love the church. George is laughing so much right now. The church isn't just good for me. The church isn't just good for you. The church isn't just good for us. The, the church is good for the community, and the church, as I said, is good for the nation and for the world. There you go, George. <laughs> he could just razzle-dazzle you with the resurrection all day, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, nah. Uh, Elev- what do you think of that elevator pitch? Wow. You, G- it's like the exact opposite of Hebrews 11. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Makes your life. That's why I thought it would, just I, makes your. It just makes my thought, life better. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was relevant just... for today. <laughs> I'm I'm laughing so much because of his little I could razzle dazzle razzle dazzle you about about the resurrection all day because I remember a clip from Ed Young Jr. Mm -hmm. We haven't watched I don't know if we've have we watched any clips on Ed Young Jr. Not in a while no. Um, he was uh, he was this was years and years ago. Um, he had a rant against Calvinism. And at one point he said, and, uh, and you know, you know that, uh, that, that I know the Greek, I know the Hebrew, you can just tell I know. <laughs> I, just, I just hear that with uh, Andy Stanley's, I, I, I can razzle dazzle you about the yeah. resurrection because we've listened to these guys. We listen to these guys and uh, nothing that Andy Stanley says has razzle dazzled me. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Ed Young Jr. You can tell he does not know the Greek or the Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just funny these guys. They uh, that the little um, I don't even think it's humble brags. Mm-hmm. I think it's just I think they just sneak in these these um, exaggerations right. about themselves to make you to make themselves look good. You you notice how he breathes real fast and hard through his nose? Have mm-hmm. you picked up on that? Where he's like talking, and then he's like, <laughs> yeah. So back in the 2016 election, you may not remember this. <laughs> All of the Trump haters uh-huh. said that's a sign of cocaine use. <laughs> so I'm just saying, hey, church, you might want to check on your boy. Okay? Because there's a reason he may be hyped up on Sunday, and it ain't the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm just saying, it might be worth checking out. Okay? Yeah. Because uh, Trump was a cocaine addict, apparently, so... Anyway, I just thought of that. But who, this is the uh, the elevator pitch. Here's a problem with the elevator pitch. I've heard this very thing mm-hmm. when I was um, – there's a place over here, and I went. I wanted to get an Easter tie, so I went to the black clothing store. You friend. wanted to get an Easter tie? I knew they'd have a really dope tie okay. at the black clothing store, so yeah. I went, and uh, they did and didn't disappoint. Okay. Big selection, but the place was run by a man of Indian, and not I don't mean – the Comanche kind. Yeah. I mean, from India. Yeah. And he's playing this, like, Christian music. Okay. 
And I'm like, hmm, I wonder why this guy's playing Christian music. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, hey, you know, Easter's coming up. Oh, well, I'm a Sikh. I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. I notice you're playing the Christian music. You know why he's doing it. It's, I mean, sales tactics, uh-huh. right? Um, anyway, I start to engage with him, and he gave me Andy Stanley's elevator pitch. Oh, really? As to why Sikh is worth following. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Made his life better. So if a Sikh can give it to me, buddy, right? that ain't the Christian elevator pitch we're going for. Yeah. Made my life better, made me a better person, made me a better husband, mm. maybe a better father, maybe a better uh, business owner. Doesn't work, my friend. Yeah, not yeah. great. So let's yeah. stay away from the uh, <clears throat> that type of Andy Stanley elevator pitch for Christianity. That ain't the thing. That kind of that kind of pitch is going to, I think, create a lot of. Um, discouraged, disillusioned, confessing Christians that end up deconstructing later on down the Mm -hmm. the road, apostatizing, because, well, Andy Stanley told me that um, his life got better because he was a Christian. And my my life has just gotten worse. Right. (laughs) It's just gotten worse and worse. So either I'm not doing it right, I'm not doing doing Christianity the the correct way, or it would have this result. And so... It's, I got to do better. I got to try harder. I got to do, you know, You're, um, or, or Andy Stanley is, uh, you know, is a used car salesman and Christianity is a lie. I'm going to go find something that actually makes me happy. Amanda, imagine Andy Stanley in China mm-hmm. giving this elevator pitch <laughs> right. to a Christian who just got out of a re-education bus. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, you want my elevator pitch? You know, yeah. I became a Christian got thrown in a re-education van and kidnapped and tortured for six months. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. <laughs> well, that, I mean, the, the, that pitch, that pitch is just leaning into man's primary problem already. The, the problem for that mankind has is that he's already self-centered. Mm. He already wants everything. He want he wants his life to be better. He want, he wants, he wants, he wants. And Andy Stanley is just like, yeah. God wants you to have all that too. Yep, and it's just it's just a self centered um, sin problem that we already have. What a dangerous thing to tell somebody though. Like, yeah. say you convert and your spouse doesn't, right? And then your spouse starts to hate you because now you're a Christian and it tears your marriage apart. Mm-hmm. Um, or your kids start to hate you, or your parents start to hate you. Right. You know, you just this is you don't tell people this. <laughs> yeah. Or imagine telling someone like Donald Trump, "Yeah, well, Christianity make your life better, right? Yeah, like he's already he's already chasing that. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Or he could already say my life is already great, right? <laughs> like what do I, what do I need Christianity for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, that was a good good intro to the podcast, and uh, but it's not free for all Friday. We are going to do effectual call or irresistible grace if you're going acronym. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> We're gonna have a free for all Friday. <clears throat> I'm planning on it. <clears throat> Don't go getting sick on me, George. You just keep planning on it, Jay. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> all right, George. You began this. This. Let's get back into Hebrews. Hebrews chapter eleven. We're jumping to the text-driven Tuesday part, um, eight through sixteen. You began. I thought it was an interesting story about your family. 
your parents lived in the same house 43 years. It's uh, a, about 44. 44? 44, yeah. That's amazing to me because I, I, you know, I grew up in the Army. Right. That was in the Army. Yeah. We moved. From the time I was four years old, we moved every three to four years. Yeah. So I just can't even imagine that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know that, um, I mean, even my kids, I'm not in the military, and the only one of my kids that's lived in the same house his entire life is Josiah, and he's four. Mm. Like all the, other, all the other kids have lived in several houses. Yeah. Um, I know, uh, you know, Philip, his, his dad was a pastor and they moved every, I don't know, six or seven years. Mm-hmm. I remember at least five houses from Philip's childhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, you know, yeah. So staying in one place, it's not, it's not just, um, it's not just something that's, that's, uh, unusual for military people, yeah. but just in our transient society, people people just move. Yeah, I mean, people just move just because they want to move. They'll they'll move from one house to another in the same town mm-hmm. just just because. Um, yeah, yeah, but not my parents. My parents have stayed in the same house their entire their entire marriage. They got engaged. They met in Tulsa. They got engaged. They bought the house, and my mom moved into the house before they got married. Mm-hmm. Then after they got married, my dad moved in, and. Um, been there they're still there did your dad have the same job there for a long time too my dad had the same job until he got laid off um then he went to another company and then he actually got hired back at the Mm. at the former company so yeah he's they've just been they've just been right in the same same place same place yeah yeah we uh we go back every time we go to visit we go back to that house but now we're trying to cram in. <laughs> we're trying to cram in extra people. I'm sure they don't mind though having <clears throat> those grandkids in there. Yeah, that house keeps getting smaller and smaller. Though I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to having grandkids. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. If uh, if Drake does what Angie and I did, I'll have me some grandkids here in about four years. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> oh, Granddaddy Jay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I look forward to it though. Yeah. All right. Count so, on you, Drake. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't let us down, buddy. Yeah. Don't let us down. Yeah. So they, yeah, they, they lived in the same house. <clears throat> my, my, it, when my parents have to move for whatever reason, health or, or just whatever, um, I'll probably have to go in and physically remove my mom <laughs> from the house. Hmm. So, yeah, she does not want to move from that house. It was a good intro because you brought up Abraham as the focus of this passage, mm-hmm. and Abraham's really like the—he's uh, like the penultimate example mm-hmm. of a man of faith. Yeah, and that's how he's used throughout the Bible. It's how in Romans, in uh, Paul's great exposition and his system—it's really a systemic theology of being justified by faith alone, mm-hmm. in Christ alone. Abraham is his like main illustration, right? Um, even Jesus, Jesus refer, references Abraham, mm-hmm. and when he's debating Pharisees, and I thought it was a good, in, good intro, captured attention, brought us in. This is about Abraham, the man of faith, uh, someone who we could look to and follow his example. So let's have you read the well, passage. And the, and the reason I brought it up is because that's all I ever knew was was that house uh-huh. in Tulsa. That was, I mean, I still go and stay in my old childhood bedroom. Yeah. I didn't know anything about moving, 
and then one day you went to college i i moved yeah um because i i met somebody mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I met a girl who wasn't from tulsa mm-hmm. and i wanted to be where she was mm-hmm. even if it meant leaving where's she from her dad's in the air force so okay uh, all over the place mm-hmm. um she but her family was from like, central oklahoma okay but I was I was ready to move away from family and friends and the town that I'd always known because I wanted to be with her. Mm. Um, and so Abraham, he's he is the man of faith who wanders away. Uh, he he journeys away from his family. He wanders away from his home, leaves his homeland because he's chasing something. He's mm-hmm. chasing something greater, mm-hmm. um, and it makes him willing to leave everything behind so that he can get to it. But he lived there a long time. Yeah. Real long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 75 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's have you read the passage. Okay. <clears throat> Hebrews eleven eight through 16. Boom. There we go. Okay. Oh, you're highlighting stuff. What's going on here? I don't know why that got Highlighting that. <laughs> yeah. It's an important word there. All right. Um, Hebrews eleven eight through 16. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God." By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city." Oh, oh, my friend, at the conclusion of this, looking for a city, I'm playing that clip. <laughs> You're going to have to listen to this whole episode if you want the special treat I got for you. Okay. Do you know it? Do you know the clip? <laughs> hmm? Uh, maybe. Okay. Well, you will be surprised maybe. along I don't, with everyone I don't know. Else. I don't I, I don't. know Philip knows of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking okay. about. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. That'll be your special treat for finishing the episode. <sighs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so this outline was uh, interesting. <laughs> Let's, let me say that. Okay. <laughs> uh, it, it was... Uh, Another seven pointer, but eight may- points. Eight points. Oh yes, I snuck yes, in it eight is. points. You snuck in eight, <laughs> but you had it in two main parts. Well, <sighs> two main parts. No, it's, it was fine. I didn't get it. It was easy to follow along. It's, so it wasn't. It wasn't bad. All the commentaries that I was reading said this. This second section, the thirteen through sixteen, is really just him expanding on 
this the point that he made in verse 10 uh-huh yeah and it, like trying to find like what is the flow between All these right. two like he's it's like he's it's like he's he's going through these three examples and his main point is about them trusting God and going to the promised land even when it looks like this yeah. is uh, an impossible situation. And then before he moves on, he wants to make sure that you really get it. Uh-huh. He, he doubles down on the theology of the promised land. And I just didn't know how – I just didn't know the best way to uh, to do it. I thought it was <laughs> I just, good. I just didn't. It's fine because it's – you know, you – you just put what's in there in the text, and as long as you can follow it, that's the main thing. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, we've talked about it, the the book of Hebrews, and you've come across this with, with Ecclesiastes, like trying to find where are the, where are the divisions, where, yeah. how are we, because... Philip um, was asking me, he's like, hey, uh, when you got time, let me know how you're going to divide <laughs> up the end of Ecclesiastes. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I'll get with you after I roll the Urim and Thurim. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like... I have oh. no clue, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, you you read, and I, I've the 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 author of Hebrews is, um, he is inspired by God to write this genius book that it flows so well that there's not really a sharp division that you can follow. Mm. It all just flows into each other, and his argument is just seamless. He just he just effortlessly flows from one idea to the other and you come to a place like this and it's like i know what he's saying but how do i present this right. in a way that well, sounds like a sermon well, some, <laughs> and i you know i i just some have said it's a sermon the whole book right yeah how long do you think it would take if you just preached the words just read it no commentary but no, no not just read it but, but preach right, it like right you, how uh, long do you think it would take Two hours? Um, maybe not two hours. Probably an hour and a half. Yeah. Probably an hour and a half. I think. Um, I think if you read it just at a um, an average reading pace, I think you can read the book in about forty five minutes. But if you're if you're reading it out loud, that that takes more time. Mm-hmm. And if you if you read it um, with expression as a sermon, it probably would tack on another half hour mm. at least mm. so yeah probably about an hour and a half or so but it's uh it's a sermon that, I'll pay that was tw- i pay 25 dollars to see you preach this i'd do it for free well let's do it i'm a, <laughs> let's schedule it up at uh, at my previous church um we had an axe reading night mm. and we uh it was me and several other guys just took turns and we just read through the book of acts mm. and it was it was a lot of fun cool and um, we we opened it up and it was just a it was like a saturday night we just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're gonna have a we're gonna have a bible reading night come and listen to the bible and we just read through the book of acts yeah i'd, I'd do that with hebrews mm. yeah. we, we should have a feast in conjunction absolutely yeah toasting and feasting and and readings of bible yeah what else can you ask for yeah yeah, it'd, it'd be fun. Yeah, it. I mean, it's a. I, it's written because he he says at the end, I've I've written to you briefly, so it's it's obviously meant to be mm-hmm. written. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's thought that maybe it was a a sermon. Mm. So I don't know. 
Very interesting. Well, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So this was, yeah, that I, I knew coming in, like I struggle with this outline. It's like, I see it. Like I see, I see what he's doing, but how do I communicate, do I communicate this in a way? And so I just went with, there's three examples at the beginning. You see those by faith. And I've just highlighted wherever it says by faith throughout the, the entire chapter, because those, I mean, those are just, he's just hitting by faith, by faith, by faith. Yeah. And then there, there is a different, there's a different phrase in verse 13. It's in faith. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's according to faith. Um, it's not, it's not the same word that he uses um, throughout the, the rest of the book. So there's, he, he has a, a little bit of a turn of phrase in and faith. there's a, I mean, 13 through 16 is obviously him re-emphasizing verse 10. Yeah. So there's two parts, if you're taking notes, two parts. I I did sneak in eight points. Yeah. (laughs) Eight through 12, right? There were three examples by, or according to faith. Yeah. Then there are five theological reflections. That's the second part. That's the in faith. Yeah. So just make two two parts as you're taking notes, as we'll go through here. So let's jump in there then. Yep. Let's go three examples of faith. Yep. Uh, first one is, I might not have written them correctly. I don't know. Abraham obeyed. Yeah. Yeah. By faith, Abraham obeyed when God called him to go to the promised land. Yeah. Which um, is more extraordinary than we understand because Abraham is a pagan living in a pagan land. Yeah. I think we forget that because it's, it's not in the Genesis account. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not in Moses's account of, of Abraham. Joshua brings it out in Joshua 24. Yeah. Um, he says that Abraham and his father, they lived in Ur of the Chaldeans before God called Abram out. Um, and when he was in Ur of the Chaldeans, he was a pagan. He worshiped other gods. Mm. Um, he probably worshiped the moon God sin. Hmm. How would you like that to be the name of your God? I worship sin. Yeah. Hey, so does everyone else. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he was he was a pagan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so God, and this this ties into our series on Fridays. God calls here's, Abraham. Here's here's Abram. He's an idol worshiper, and God calls him. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> like why why Abram? Uh-huh. Well, you've got you really have two options. Um there was something about Abram that God liked. Uh-huh. Or God shows mercy to who he wants to show mercy to. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to show mercy to to this man and not the other pagans that lived in Ur of the Chaldeans. Mm-hmm. Um so he calls him he calls him out. Yeah. And we see this story in, in Genesis. Um, starts in at the end of chapter eleven, uh, but really the um, the passage that he's really focusing on here is Genesis twelve one through three, where God calls Abram, tells him to go to the land that I will show you. Um, I will make of you a great nation. I will. Um, uh, I will bless you and make your name great. Um, I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. And in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Yeah. And Abram goes. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. He's seventy-five years old. Like he's not a he's not a, he's not a young a young man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's young maybe comparatively uh, in that in that time when people are living longer but he's not young I mean he's he's 75 mm-hmm. um, and yet he he goes God mm-hmm. gives him these promises 
Um, and we see in Abraham the same kind of faith that we see in Noah. Um, Noah, um, he he hears God. Um, God instructs him concerning events yet unseen, and Noah obeys, and he inherits the righteousness that comes by faith. Abram, um, the word of God comes to him, tells him to go. Uh, Abraham believes God, and he obeys. Mm-hmm. He's accounted righteous through his belief. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, the you know the 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 um, that that declaration that Abram believed God and it was it was counted to him as righteousness comes in in Genesis fifteen, but his faith has been evident from Genesis twelve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So he he receives the word of God, he believes God, he obeys. Um, this is just highlighting things that we uh, we talked about last week. That faith is more than just mental assent; it's more mm-hmm. than just verbal confession. Um, if Abram had heard God telling him, "Go, uh, I'll, I'm going to give you this land," and he'd remained in Ur of the Chaldeans, that would not have been faith. Right? Um, faith is belief in that works itself out in action, in obedient yeah. action, and, and that's that's what. That's what Abraham does, um, and it's amazing. He he just does it. Like we where I think we we get so um, we get so accustomed to the story. Like yeah, God calls Abram to go to this this land, and he's gonna pro- he promises it to him and his offspring, and Abraham goes. And I think that we need to to um, to think about it like it's the first time. Abraham goes. Mm. He doesn't. And and look back at uh, at what it says in um, what verse uh, verse one. Go to the land that I will show you. He hasn't even seen it. Doesn't even know where he's going. <laughs> where <laughs> he don't. There's no record of him saying where am I going. Um, I've got some questions. Um, let me you know let me settle some things here first. He just goes. He goes without hesitation. He goes without question. He goes immediately. Um, this is what faith looks like. And I, I was just struck by how little I know my own life looks like in comparison with that. Mm. When, when I have God's word, God wor- God's word tells me to do something, and how often do I just read the Bible and go about my day mm. and not really consider God's commanding me to do something? Am I going to do that? Am I going to consciously, intentionally, without hesitation, obey God's word? Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, we can think of example after example of of things that that God tells us to do that um, we can find excuses to to put off. Yeah, we and it's easy for people to become even self deceived and to think that they are obeying God when in fact they're not obeying God. They're obeying a God that they've made in their own minds, um, a God that's okay with their behavior their religiosity, you fill in the blanks. Mm. I mean, I don't know how many times I've encountered that since being a pastor, but, I mean, Jesus encountered it literally with the Pharisees. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day, actually, before you even preached this, because <clears throat> people are really pushing Abraham as the father of all these faiths. Right. Like, we have this common ancestor, Abraham. Yeah, Christianity, Judaism, Islam. We need to unite around that. Yeah. And we can't. I mean, you know, Jesus is preaching, and he tells the Pharisees. In a a sense, we can say, yes, they branch off from, biologically, Mm -hmm. from Abraham. 
um, but theologically, like the the faith of Abraham is not the same faith as Judaism or Islam. Right. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't in Jesus' day. Mm-hmm. It's not in ours. Mm-hmm. You know, they Jesus is telling them anyone who sins is a slave of sin, and they say we we've never been a slave to anyone, which is hilarious. The, the dumbest statement <laughs> of all time. Um, I just, I just want to, Exodus? I just want to imagine the irony of like a Roman centurion walking by, right, right, <laughs> at the same time I they say see, that. I could see Jesus doing that one face where he looks at his disciples with a side eye <laughs> as they say that. There's like the like, come well, on, guys. There's like a garrison that overlooked the temple, right? The <laughs> <laughs> world, you hear the Romans with their tacks on their shoes marching. Yeah. On their, uh, you hear the cries of the people being crucified. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're not enslaved. We're free. Okay. Yeah, free. yeah, yeah. We're Abra- we're 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 children of Abraham. Yeah, right? and Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, you know, if you if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. And the whole point is, they think they are, but if they were, they would believe the word of God, right? Who is standing in front of them, mm-hmm. right? The word of God came to Abraham, and Abraham, by faith, is looking forward to the promised Messiah. Yeah. And the whole point is, the Messiah is here. Mm-hmm. You're not even looking at in the eye, by faith, what Abraham <laughs> did never saw, right. but looked to by faith, was coming. Mm-hmm. That's his whole point. Yeah. And that's why we can't trace a common ancestry, because we're theologically not the same faiths. Ours is focused on the Messiah. Mm-hmm. He obeyed. Abraham heard the word of God and obeyed. And I like I like the point that you brought out that there are many people that are in our congregation, maybe even some listening to the podcast. They're not Christians. They've heard the word of God. They've heard the gospel. <clears throat> they need time to obey. Mm-hmm. It's time to obey and come to Christ and turn from their sin and trust Christ. It's time. There's a time of decision where you must go. You must come to Christ. I like that you were emphasizing that. Yeah. It, the The faith of Abraham is a faith that follows and obeys God immediately. Mm-hmm. And um, there's there's so many things I brought out. You know, if you're looking at pornography, it, it you're not you're not commanded to stop tomorrow. You're you're commanded to stop now. Um, parents, parents, you're called to disciple your children. Now, not when you've got it all figured out, because you're never going to have it all figured mm-hmm. out. Um, we're all just making it up as we go along. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, kids, you're supposed to obey your parents immediately. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Um, and if you're if you're not trusting in Christ, don't don't put it off. Mm. Follow the example of Abraham who, when God's word commanded him to go to a land that he didn't know where he was going, he obeyed. He obeyed immediately. And um, his faith is rewarded. He's, he's reckoned as, righteousness, uh, as righteous. He's, he's considered the father of faith. Mm-hmm. And those who, those who want to, uh, those who, as chapter 10, verse 39 says, are those who are of those who have faith, have to emulate the, the faith of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, and and I think it's important because we can we can ha- we, again we have this idea that well this is just blind faith he's just he's just taking this leap of faith he has no idea where he's going he's um, and I I think you know we could we could chase a rabbit here I think we get this idea that he's just hearing this voice mm-hmm. in his head 
and it's like a schizophrenic mm-hmm. and he's like i heard a voice telling me to you know go somewhere um i think he probably saw somebody mm-hmm. um probably the the word of god well later he seems to recognize yeah yeah he yeah he, he see he sees him coming he sees the sun mm-hmm. um coming in genesis 18 um I, the word of god comes to him in a vision in genesis 15 like he's 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 seeing somebody telling him. Um, I, I don't have a I don't have a problem with saying, even though it's not it's not explicit in Genesis twelve. I don't have a problem with the word of God came to Abraham and right. told him to go. Right. Um. So he sees somebody who obviously is different than just a normal person. Yeah. Telling him to go, and it's not blind faith. He belie- his his faith is grounded in the word of God. He he doesn't know where he's going, but he knows who he's following, mm-hmm. and um, I, th- I think that's important for us to remember that our faith is not a blind faith; it's a faith that is rooted in God's revelation. Mm-hmm. And um, we, I mean, we we can. Um, I mean, Abraham should be. He is rightly exemplified as this this great hero of faith, yeah. because he doesn't have as much revelation as we do. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the word of God. It's our faith is rooted in this. And the author of Hebrews is giving us example after example, after example of God faithfully fulfilling his word to his people. And it's just a call for us to follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So three examples of faith. Abraham obeyed. Also, Abraham lived in a foreign country by faith. Yeah. So he moves to the, this land that God shows him, the land is occupied. Yeah. Yep. People, there are people all in this land already. It's mm. not like there's an empty place. It's right. got, you know, pre-built towns. Mm-hmm. There are towns. There's, they're occupied by pagans. Yeah. And so he's wandering like a nomad. Yeah. But God keeps blessing him. His wealth keeps growing. He, he actually becomes a very powerful man mm-hmm. while not living in a city. Yeah. In a land that's occupied by other people. Mm-hmm. And it's all by faith that he lived this way. Right. I heard he gave a few elevator pitches, though, while he was in yeah. there. <laughs> you know, ever since I've followed this God, my life has just been better. I've <laughs> <laughs> been living in tents now. And you guys you guys think you got it good inside those city walls? I, you don't know about tent living. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, that verse, verse 9, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise. The, the phrase went to live, it's, it's a Greek word that just means to sojourn. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a nomad. Um, he went to sojourn in this land mm. um, as uh, as a foreign uh, as in a foreign land um, in land that belongs to others. Yeah, is, is what foreign is just it belongs to others. Um, living in tents. Why? <laughs> Why you go? God has promised this land. Um, he said, "I'll give this land to to your offspring forever." And all Abraham knows is living in tents, traveling around. He, you know, he, does, he doesn't settle in one place. He travels around. And mm-hmm. we're told by the author of Hebrews, he does this by faith. Um, we, we, it's not, like you said, it's not because there aren't towns for him to live in. When, when, uh, when Lot and him separate in Genesis 13, Lot goes and lives by a city. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work out you know, great for him, <laughs> going, going to live by Sodom. Um, but... Uh, God tells Abraham 
look to the north, the southeast, and the west. I'm going to give all this land to your offspring. Walk to and throw to and fro. So God is commanding him to be a sojourner. He's he's commanding him to be a nomad and traverse the the land. Don't mm-hmm. settle in one place. Go from place to place. Yeah. And Abraham again, he obeys. Right. Um, verse ten tells us why. It's because he's looking for a city whose foundations uh, with foundations whose designer and builder is God. And this is um, again this this will this is what he's going to reemphasize. Uh, in verses 13 through 16 um it's get, again it's like all right how do we present this because <laughs> he, he talks about it twice mm-hmm. <laughs> he says it he just presents it in verse 10 but 13 through 16 he's gonna he's gonna build on it he's gonna expand on it and let us know um exactly what our theology of this should be but what i brought out was abraham was willing to endure the the life of a nomad for a long time with all of mm-hmm. its difficulties i'm sure it would be more comfortable to live in a house in a walled city than in a tent but he's willing to endure the temporary discomforts of a, a nomad because he's looking for that permanent city yeah and you know this because in genesis 15 I, he's actually told that he's going to not see it He's going to die. They're going to bury him. Mm-hmm. His descendants are going to go into Egypt, yeah. and then they'll come back mm-hmm. into the land because the iniquity of the Amorites is not full, Yeah, which is interesting to think <clears throat> about God's patience, right? It's like God's going to judge the occupants of the land of Canaan. They're mm-hmm. pagans. They uh, are engaged in child sacrifice, abortion, homosexuality, bestiality, all of these things they're engaged in, and God's like giving them time. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa. Like, he lets, God is patient and merciful even with these pagans. Yeah. And it's not till, you know, Abraham dies, his descendants go, and they live in Egypt. God is a God that judges, um, but we should also remember these small little <laughs> details that remind us of how patient and merciful he is to people. And we, And when we get extra time, What's uh, so amazing about us and our wickedness? Instead of repenting, we just get worse. Yeah, and that's what the Amorites did. That's what they did. Um, he 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 basically tells Abraham, um, "They're not bad enough yet." Yep. <laughs> so give them four hundred years to uh, to marinate, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then and then, um, then your they're, offspring will come back and possess the land. And they're expelled from the land and judged mm-hmm. by. Uh, the Israelites. Right. That's why they're purged from the land. Mm-hmm. Completely purged. They're yeah. supposed to be, anyway. That's God's command. That's the command, yeah. But now we're jumping to different books. <laughs> Which they weren't like Abraham. They weren't, yeah. They didn't obey. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, the, it's, um, now there's, I mean, there's, there's a, a, the whole, the whole story of the Bible is, is really the story of Abraham's faith. Mm-hmm. And, um, who he's putting his faith in, what he's looking forward to, and um, well, well, we'll talk about it in so thirteen through sixteen. He obeyed. But, he lived uh, by faith as a foreigner, but he also by faith he's believing that God would be faithful to His promises. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we have Sarah introduced, mm-hmm. and uh, I did not know this as I was looking through Hebrews eleven. I was like, "There's not really any difficulties here." Yep. Um, verse ten. Uh, 
translators argue over whether Sarah is the subject or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> or whether it's Abraham again, and she's in, um, she's in, I guess the uh, the the accusative, I guess. Huh. Um, By faith, Sarah conceived. Well, like that? that's the that's the problem. Um, the word power to uh, uh, receive power to conceive, actually, and I. I made a judgment call not to talk about this from the pulpit. Too technical. Um, well, can get lost in it. Well, it, it means um, for the laying down or deposit of seed. Okay, that's what the that's what the word means. Mm. Um, which that seems to focus more on Abraham's contribution mm-hmm. rather than Sarah's. Mm. Um, there's a there's different ways that people deal with it. Mm. Um, but Sarah is in the nominative case in the, the in the in the in the Greek. She's mm-hmm. in the she's in the subject uh-huh. place. Um, her her the spot where she is in the in the the sentence is um, where we're seeing everybody else by faith Abraham, uh, by faith Abraham, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob. Like she's in the she's in the spot that you would expect her to be in the sentence. Mm-hmm. The the main the main difficulty is that verb. Um, so by faith, Sarah herself received for the laying down of seed, even when she was past the age. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's just a little, it's just a little grammatical difficulty. Um, but I think, I think that Sarah's the, I think she's the subject here. Huh. Um, which is interesting, um, given everything we know about Sarah, but the, the main thrust is that she believed that God was faithful, uh-huh. that he'd promised. She believed he was faithful to fulfill his promises. And so she received power to have a baby. Yeah. Even though she's past the age. Yeah. Um, They're really she, old. She, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's two difficulties. She's, uh, she's past the age of bearing children, mm-hmm. and she's always been She's always been barren. Mm-hmm. Like she's never been able to have children, um, and these are insurmountable odds. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, that that people that have struggled with conception just in their in their youth. I know how difficult that is right. is for people um, struggling with that. Um, it reminds us that God opens and closes the womb. Mm-hmm. That uh, that He's the one that gives power to um, conceive children. And that's 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 you know that's that's more than just um, Abraham and Sarah, but their their difficulties even even greater because yeah. Abraham is he's seventy five when he's called out of uh, of Ur of the Chaldeans. Sarah's ten years younger; she's sixty five, um, but she's barren, right? And by the time they have Isaac, he's a hundred and she's ninety. Yeah, and uh, so. Verse verse twelve says that um, that uh, from one man and him as good as dead, uh, the it literally reads having become dead, mm-hmm. which is real nice, right? <laughs> yeah. How Jesus. would you like to How would you like to be described that way? Well, you're as, as good, good as, as dead. dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 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 point is, there's not you know a lot of hundred year old guys and ninety year old women who mm-hmm. are having babies, mm-hmm. right? Um, just biologically, the uh, the difficulty is extreme. Mm-hmm. And yet God has given these promises. 
He's given these huge promises. He's he has over and over and over again said to your offspring, I will give this land. Your your offspring is going to be like the sand of the seashore. They're going to be like the stars of the sky. Um, he he tells Abraham in uh, and Sarah in, in Genesis seventeen that that nations are going to come from you, kings are going to come from you. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're going to have um, millions mm-hmm. of offspring. Yeah, and she's barren. Yeah, and they're old. And yet we're told that by faith she receives power to conceive because she believed that the God who promised these massive promises would be faithful. Right. She's she's believing. We we talked about this last week. This God who who speaks and everything we see he he created out of nothing. She believes this God. Yeah. She believes that this God who can who created the universe just by His word is the same God that can cause. Um, uh, old barren couple to have a baby. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God. Um, you know, he had when his promise was uh, in the very beginning to the seed of the woman. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about this type of um, conception is it is it's miraculous. It's meant to be a sign. Right, but I think it also is meant to foreshadow a greater conception mm-hmm. because you hear what you have. Okay, well, being barren is bad. We've seen God overcome that before, yeah. and He will uh, at other times. But here you have a barren old person. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. Right, this is an impossible birth. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the point. <laughs> right, and so it's a it's a sign. Like here's the seed promise is continuing here mm-hmm. with this offspring. Yeah, but when G- and when Jesus comes. It's even more impossible, right? Because there's nothing more impossible than a virgin giving birth. Yeah, actually, absolutely impossible. <laughs> yeah. So I just think that's amazing. That's mm-hmm. how God He has all kinds of little Easter eggs. Yeah, <laughs> they're laid throughout the Bible uh-huh. like that. You know, little, little hints. Yeah, little hints at what's coming. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And we we've, we've got. Again, this is this is meant not just for a character study of, of Sarah, but it's meant for us to um, take strength from from her example that um, in these seemingly impossible, hopeless situations, God has promised and He's faithful, and we have we have this this great security. This yeah. goes this goes back to, to chapter six where uh, we talked about God gave Abraham not just a promise but the oath. So he promises to Abraham, but he also swears by himself that he'll do this. And he's done the same for us. Mm-hmm. We have the promise, but we also have the oath and we have this this anchor behind the veil mm-hmm. because Jesus has died and Jesus has been raised. Right. And so we know because Christ has died for our sins and he's been raised for our justification, um, that all of God's promises are going to be true. Yeah. Can you imagine how much, like how weird people probably thought they were, or they probably thought they were crazy? Like, you guys actually believe you're going to have a a baby. You really believe that? Look at you. You're as good as dead. Look at your wife. Yeah. She's barren and she's about as good as dead too. Yeah. And there, and she's like, and he's like, yeah, we're gonna have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that <laughs> that's kind of like, but but that's how people look at us. Like yeah. we say, God, like Christ is coming back. Yeah. He's going to recreate and make everything. All things will be made new. He'll give life to our dead bodies. Mm-hmm. 
You really believe that? <laughs> right. <laughs> Seriously, come on. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same. This is this is the example, though. That's why he's doing this because yeah. he's showing. Yeah, they're they're waiting. Uh, so seventy five years, you know, twenty twenty five years um, between when he's called to when they actually have a baby. Mm-hmm. That's a long time to to wait and to believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. I think uh, I think also it's 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 great that that we have these examples of Abraham and Sarah because we read about them and we can think, well, they just had this super faith and I just don't have that, that kind of faith. But if you, if you, if you look at some of the, the stories between the promises, you'll see that Abraham and Sarah, they're just, they're just regular people. They're just normal people mm-hmm. living normal lives. Um, they've just been given extraordinary promises, but, God promises to Abraham, I'm going to give this land to your offspring and all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. And the next verse, there's a famine and Abraham leaves the land and gives his wife away. (laughs) (laughs) Not a great. So the land promise and the offspring promise are gone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And it's Abraham's fault. Yeah. Um, He, he left the land and he gives his wife away. Yeah. (laughs) You've got, you've got Genesis 15. God, God tells Abraham, um, as the stars of the of the sky, if you can count, if you count the stars, that's how many your offspring will be. Mm. And Abraham believes God, and it's counted to him as righteousness. And God, it, God makes the oath. He swears to him. He makes a covenant with Abraham. Um, the next chapter, Sarah hatches a plot for Abram to uh, Abraham to uh, to to take mm. Hagar as his wife yeah. and have a kid with her. Mm-hmm. And he goes along. He goes along with it. Yeah. Well, that didn't work out too great either. Yeah. Um, but Abraham and Sarah both laugh mm-hmm. when God promises that Sarah's going <laughs> to yeah, right. Sarah's going to have a baby. Yeah. They don't have this this super faith. Right. And again, th- this is this is um, this is a reminder to us that our faith that the faith that saves is not our faith in our faith. We're not looking at ourselves. Yeah. It's always in the object of our faith. And that's the same with Abraham and Sarah. Yes, they have moments where they stumble, but they are always clinging to God. They're always clinging to the promises. And we see that over and over and over again. That they still are clinging to the promises, even though there are times when they... They don't live. They don't live in accordance with that faith. That that should be an encouragement to us. That the faith that saves us is faith in Christ. That, yeah. that the hope that we have is not in the strength of our faith. The hope we have is in the strength of the Savior. The the object of our faith. Yeah. Um, and so now, second part is thirteen through sixteen, and there are five theological reflections on what he's already kind of covered about faith in Abraham. And the first one is that faith is stronger than death, that Abraham died. He didn't receive the promises that were given to him, mm-hmm. and he didn't just throw up his hands and give up right before he died. Shake yeah, his, shake I mean, his fist at God. Yeah. I, I followed you as a nomad my whole life, and you didn't fulfill your promises. Yeah. Abraham didn't die that way. He died in faith, yeah, looking, he, looking forward to something he didn't have. Yeah, even though they, they had a, a son, there's one child that's a far cry from this countless multitude like mm-hmm. the stars right 
um, God promises all the land, but the only piece of land that Abraham ever owns is a burial plot, mm. and he has to buy it. He has to haggle with a he has to haggle with this Hittite for this land. Um, that's the only piece of land that he ever has. Mm. Is this is where you're going to be buried? This is where you're going to. This is where you bury Sarah, and this is where you're going to be buried too. Um, and yet he still believes. He still holds on to the promise. He still um, he still has faith. And um, again, this is a far cry from the uh, those prosperity preachers. It's a far cry, sure. It's a far cry from Andy Stanley's oh, elevator sure. pitch. Right, your life is going to be better. Um, Abraham dies. He dies without without seeing it. Sarah dies without seeing it. Mm-hmm. Isaac, Jacob, they they all die without seeing it. We'll we'll see next week. Um, at the end of Genesis, they're not in the land. Right. Um, it's a big cliffhanger, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, okay, there's 70 of them. That's more than Abraham and Sarah. Right. This barren old couple. Yeah. But it's not the sand of the seashore. Mm-hmm. They've been promised the land, but now they live in Egypt. Like, okay. <laughs> what, you know, what, what what's going to become of the promises? Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they they believe God. They believe God even when, um, even when they know that they're going to die without yeah. having received these promises. It, I mean, this is the same as any Christian that's ever lived from you know, from the time of the very first disciples. This is the same faith that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, there will only be one generation alive when Christ returns right. that will not taste death, and they'll see him and be gathered and changed at his his glorious appearing. But we, most of us, I mean, I don't think we're that generation. And nope. if we're wrong, I'll be happy. Won't have to die. <laughs> right. But probably we're going to die. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to see the God's promises in this life. Yeah. So we have to persist in faith as Abraham did. Mm-hmm. You've, the, this is the kind of faith that you have to have as a Christian. Mm-hmm. You have to have a faith that can withstand the disappointments of life and can can um, endure through pain and suffering and sorrow and loss and even death. That's the kind of faith that we're called to have. It's a faith that's not just, it's not just focused on these, these transient things that, that are going to be gone. It has to be a faith that can survive past death. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the second or the second theological reflection now on faith, not only is faith stronger than death, faith is forward looking. This yeah. is the faith of Abraham. It's forward looking. It's looking for the city mm-hmm. whose founder and builder is God. Right. As a nomad, he has no city. And I really like how you drew that out because we don't think about that often. Other people have cities. Yeah. Abraham has no city. Yeah. But he's looking forward to one mm-hmm. in a different world. Yeah. Really. Right, whose founder and builder is God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it it says that uh, having re- uh, they they died not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. Mm-hmm. Um, the that's word greeted it it can mean salute, um, like a wave, mm. or it can mean embrace. Mm. And I really like that that imagery. That faith has long arms. It it doesn't it doesn't receive the promises now, but it has the substance of things hoped for, mm-hmm. and so 
it reaches out and embraces them from afar. Mm-hmm. It sees them from afar. I mean, that's this is what this is what Abraham did at Jesus in John eight fifty six. Your your father uh, Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, he he didn't see he didn't see Jesus come with his physical eyes, but with the eyes of faith, he was looking forward to the promise. He mm. he was looking beyond just he was looking beyond just Isaac. Yeah, he was looking beyond to the Messiah. That, that that was his hope. And um, he received the word of God, and with the eyes of faith, he saw these things from afar. Um, he embraced the promises, and he rejoiced. He rejoiced that he saw them. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he, he knew he was going to die, he knew that these promises were for him. Um, I, I didn't have time to, to bring it out, but Galatians um, chapter 3, Paul says that... Um, that uh, the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Mm. Abraham's hope was not here right. in this in this this now. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was believing the promises of God that were in the future. Yep, that's right. And he rejoiced. Mm-hmm. That's yep. that's the kind of faith that we have to have. It's forward looking. And faith is also content. Mm-hmm. So draw that out. Um, so it says that even though they, they died not having received the things promised, they saw them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Um, they confessed. They okay. confessed that we're strangers. We're sojourners. Right. Okay. Um, Abraham did this in Genesis 23 when, he's, when Sarah's died and he has to haggle for her, uh, her burial spot. Um, he says, I'm a sojourner. Um, Jacob confesses it before Pharaoh um, in uh, in Genesis forty seven, I believe. Um, he says, "I'm a sojourner, just like my fathers. They were sojourners. Um, they they acknowledged that they didn't have a home. Mm-hmm. They acknowledged that we're we're strangers on this on this earth. Wherever we are, we're strangers. We don't we don't have a place that we are settling down." Yeah. And this this idea um, is it's it's just it's just been it's just been implanted in the vernacular of of Christian mm-hmm. Christian thought. Um, uh, Peter he writes to the elect exiles. Yeah. Um, he he tells them he he encourages them as strangers and aliens yeah, yeah. Um, in this in this world. Yeah. And what was interesting is I, I discovered that the word perish. Now, as Baptists, we don't use parish very often, um, but you know, Anglicans, um, some of the more high church, mm-hmm. they use parish um, to talk about their church, their congregation. That that's from this Greek word for sojourner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's in. I mean, it's it's kind of hidden behind that word parish, um, but it is the it's the word for sojourners. That that's what we are as as Christians. We don't have um, a permanent place. Uh, he's gonna he's going to uh, he's gonna build on this. He's gonna say it just just outright in chapter thirteen. He's gonna say we have no continual city. Mm-hmm. So wherever you are, you're a foreigner. Mm. You're a stranger. You're a sojourner. Um, and I, I think that really that really should affect the way that we live our lives. 
that should be able to get us through any catastrophe that happens. Tornado hits your house. I'm just a stranger anyway. Mm. Fire, loss of loved ones, loss of a job, um, uh, political upheavals. Yeah. I'm just a stranger. Mm-hmm. I'm just a sojourner. I, I'm I'm content with that. Yeah. Um. So Paul in Philippians chapter three says that our citizenship is in heaven. Yeah, for me, we await a savior. Yeah, yeah. I've heard people who are this goes down a different rabbit trail. Maybe than we want to go, but I've heard accusations leveled against people that aren't post bill. They're always leveled against all mill or uh, pre mill. Even historic female, they'll get they'll get after them. They'll say, you know, you. If we have a common a common foe, it's it between us is post mill. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is this is one of the things I I don't that I don't like about the post mill. Not all of them, but way yeah. many of them approach it is they'll say, look, you your faith is of no effect here on earth because you're too heavenly minded. You have an escapist mentality. Yeah, and where yeah, the post, I, br- I bring I bring that, that? I, I bring that I bring that out um, in the next. And the next point, but yeah, that there's the there's this idea um, it, being too too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. In other words, we're not focused on the things that are going on in this in this world um, because we're we're only it's like we walk around with our our eyes to the yeah. sky and we just ignore all of the mm-hmm. the troubles here on this earth. Right. Um, but just look at look at this is this is what. Um, the author of Hebrews is describing Abraham's life like that he's looking for a better homeland. He's looking for a better country. He's looking for a homeland. He's he confesses that he's a stranger and an exile on this earth. Um, and yet you look at look at the way that the people around Abraham and Isaac and Jacob benefit from their presence. Um, it, in Genesis fourteen. When uh, when the 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 four kings, Cadalamar uh, um, and his alliance, come against the the five kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and and those those, and Lot gets um, captured, mm-hmm. right? uh, and uh, uh, someone that escapes goes and tells Abram, and it's uh, in the in the Hebrew it says Abram the Hebrew, mm-hmm. in the Septuagint it's really interesting. It says Abram the sojourner, mm-hmm. and what does Abram the sojourner do? He rallies the boys, he rallies them up, and he goes and he fights these armies, and he rescues he rescues the the yeah. people that were captured. You think that was just like a, this is like a camel cavalry? Maybe that's, that's, that's sa- how I imagine. Let's, let's saddle up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. He formed a posse and he went he went after them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here here comes Abram the sojourner, Abram the 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 foreigner mm-hmm. Abram the the uh, the nomad he's coming to save the day yeah um, would anyone have said reading this well Abram was too heavenly minded he didn't care what was going <laughs> right. on with mm-hmm. no <laughs> he, he went out, he rode out and and saved the day yeah right um, Jacob the the people around him they they benefit mm-hmm. uh, Laban even confesses. I know that God has blessed me because of you. Um, we can think of Joseph because mm-hmm. Joseph awesome. is, Joseph is included um, in the in, next week. He's he's included in this this right. list of faith. Um, he's also looking for this this better country, and um, 
God blesses everyone that that is around Joseph. Yeah. Right? Joseph's presence is enough to bless. <laughs> right. He, he saves the world. Yeah. So the, Oh, you know something I saw that was cool this past week? What's that? There's a rock, apparently, that was found in Egypt, uh, not by the main places where you think of Egyptian stuff, and it's written on this big rock about a seven-year famine in Egypt. Oh, yeah? Sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> Did they date it? I don't know. I have to, I have to go look and do. Yeah, that'd be interesting to. That'd be interesting if they could mm. date it. Yeah. Um, Christians should have this same kind of mindset that this world is not our home, and I don't want to. I don't want to disparage our post mill brothers and sisters, um, but sometimes the way that they talk about, especially theonomist. Mm-hmm. Which which just kind of goes hand in hand with with post mill very often, mm-hmm. Pro- not, probably not always. Not I mean, always. there's there's post mill guys that are not um, that are not theonomists, um, but a lot of the modern, more modern post mill are, are theonomists. The way that they can present themselves is almost like we're trying to create heaven on earth through um, establishing God's law in the nations. Mm-hmm. And we can, you know, there's there's more to it. I, you know, I don't want to misrepresent them. We just have to be really careful on, on both sides because we we can be we can be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. But if we're balanced, the way that Abraham was, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and Jesus, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, they they are not making this world their home. But because they are forward-looking, because they are acknowledging that um, this world's not my home, I'm a sojourner, we know, and we'll, we'll look at this in the next, the next point, there's, these all go together, um, we know that the things we do on earth matter. Mm-hmm. And we can be good citizens, we can be good workers, we can be good neighbors and spouses, because... We're not just trying to get the most that we we can out of this life. Yeah, we're not we're not so focused on this life that we can't risk our lives for others. That we can't give sacrificially to others. Um, so uh, the the idea that you can be too too you know that this is too heavenly minded to be any earthly good just ignores all the earthly good that the patriarchs were right to those around yeah. them. <clears throat> Um, and it, and it, and it, it ignores the fact that, um, by not clinging to this life and this world and, and this place, we're free to open our hands and let it all go for the sake of others. Yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. Okay. So then number four, faith was resurrection focused for Abraham verses 14 through 16. He's seeking a homeland, but not this one. He's so he's looking forward by faith to a homeland. Yeah, it's a word where we get. Uh, we I didn't know this that our word patriot and patriotic is actually a Greek word. Really, it's it's this it's this word for homeland. Hmm. Yeah. Now I'm going to click really on it because I am now. It's really interesting, George. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It is. Let's pa- see. Patrio. Pa- Patris. Patris. Only used one time in the New Testament, I guess. Is it? Um, I think it's used in John four forty four. Okay. Also, um, or at least um, a variation. A variation of it. Yeah. Um, 
it's uh, it's your own country. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Um, it's your fatherland. Ah, uh, right. Um, yeah, that's George. It's, don't tell me now. Abraham was a fascist. <laughs> he was a Hebrew nationalist. Is what he, that's what he was. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's looking. He's seeking a homeland. Um, he is. Um, he's look. He is looking for a place. Mm-hmm. So he's. Because, just because he's confessing that he's a sojourner, stranger in exile on earth, doesn't mean that he expects to be a sojourner in exile forever. Mm-hmm. He's looking for a place, and, and that's verse 10. He's looking for this this city with foundations, yeah. which, you know, you, you compare a, a tent with a city that has foundations, and one is designed to collapse and be carried around, and one is meant to stay. Um, that's what he's looking for. He's he's not he's not uh, thinking he's going to be living in a tent forever. He's going to live in a he's going to live in a city. He's going to live in a forever city, and that's what he's looking for. He's looking for this homeland. Um, and verse fifteen, um, in case we are still thinking, because we do, we we think in this this worldly idea, like we're we're we can be so worldly that we're no heavenly <laughs> we're no heavenly good, right? Um, so in case we are still too worldly minded in what's going on here. Um, he says that um, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they if they had been thinking about that, it's the word for remember. If they'd been remembering, it's kind of the uh, <clears throat> the idea of pining after. If they if they'd been pining after that land from which they had gone out, if Abraham was was constantly thinking, man, I had it better in Ur, mm-hmm. um, then they he would have had opportunity to return. Yeah, um, and we think of when um, he sends his servant out to find a wife for Isaac. He sends him back to um, his homeland, where where his uh, where his family is in Haran. Um, and the servant says, "Well, what if she? What if the? What if the girl won't come back? Am I? Should I take Isaac there?" And twice Abraham says, "Don't take him there. Don't take him back there." So he's again. He's. I mean, if if I mean, this is a big deal. We mm-hmm. we uh, we can just kind of skip over um, Genesis twenty four. It's it's this long story of of trying to find Isaac a wife, but it it has major repercussions for the promises because um, if Isaac doesn't have a bride. Well, that's even worse than having ninety-year-old Baron Sarah. You got to—I mean, if you're going to have offspring, Isaac's got to have a wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what if she won't come back? Am I supposed to take him there? Yeah. No, don't take him back there. Well, that's Abraham acting in faith. He believes mm-hmm. that God is going to fulfill His promises mm-hmm. that Abra- that that Isaac will get a a, a bride. Um, God will somehow provide a bride for him. But don't take Isaac back. Um, Jacob. He uh, he he leaves. He flees Esau and goes to Haran, and he's there for twenty years. That's enough time for. And he gets two wives there. He has twelve kids. I mean, that's enough time to settle down. Mm-hmm. Um, but when God comes to him and says, "Go back," he goes. That's faith, mm-hmm. right? That that he's living by faith. Um, if if they had been th- if they'd been remembering this this home you know this this land where they came from and they were pining for it they would have had plenty of opportunities to go back. Mm-hmm. Like there was no restraining force, you know, right. keeping them 
in the land of Canaan. They they could have gone back to to Mesopotamia yeah. if they'd wanted to, but they're not. Um, but as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this this uh, the the picture that that's given here. This idea of returning. It's this phrase that means to bend backwards. Um, so if they had been thinking about that country, they could have bent back towards it. Yeah. Um, you think of Israel in the wilderness. Yeah. Wanting I mean, to go back. They're, they're constantly grumbling. Mm-hmm. Why'd you Why'd you take us out of Egypt? We were better off in Egypt. They yeah. were They were bending back, but they But these the people of faith they desire. It's this word for stretching forward. Mm. So they could have bent back, but instead they're stretching forward. Yeah. Um. They're They're looking for a better country. They're looking for a heavenly one. And this has um, this is this is big theology because there are, and I'm sure you've you've run across theologians that question how much of um, a belief in the afterlife the Old Testament saints had. Right. Well, it's not you know it's not very clear. We don't right. know how, we don't know how much they they believed about what happens after you die. Right. Um, I I can tell you that the author of Hebrews would have been really impressed with the modern <laughs> theologian, <laughs> modern theologians and their arguments. Um, he doesn't. He wouldn't entertain that for a second, right? Um, because Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, God had given them promises, and they believed that God would be true to His word. He would fulfill the promises. Um, they knew they were going to die, but that didn't mean that they gave up on the promises. And they they said, "Well, this is just for other people." Mm-hmm. They believed that the promises would be true for them. Yeah. And if it's not going to be true for them in this life, then necessarily it's true for them in the next life. Mm. That the author of Hebrews couldn't be any clearer here. They believed in resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, they believed that God was going to fulfill His promises, and it wasn't. It was the the even though He'd promised this this land of Canaan to the physical offspring, and they were they they believed that God would do that. That wasn't their ultimate hope. Their ultimate hope was, well, this is just this is just like a down payment for something even better. Um, Paul he he expands it in Romans chapter four. He says that God promised to Abraham and his offspring that they would inherit the world. Like, where are you getting that? Paul? <laughs> right. It's this theology. It's uh-huh. this, it's the theology of of resurrections. This, mm-hmm. this theology of there's a new heavens and a new earth. Um, this is not this is not the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many people, they um, they act like it. Like even Christians that know better live live um, in a, a poorer way than Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And I think a lot of us have been influenced, whether consciously or unconsciously, by these modern theologians that say, "Well, we don't know how much you mm. know they believed in the afterlife." Uh, I love what Calvin says. He says they would have been more stupid than blocks of wood that keep on pursuing the promises when no hope of these appeared on earth unless they expected them to be fulfilled elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Like they would have been dumb. We have this idea that that um, the saints of the Old Testament were focused on earthly pleasure, that they were focused on this land with, you know, an abundance of of children and riches and food and all of this, mm-hmm. um, and we see we see the unbelieving Israelites that do that, mm-hmm. but the the believing remnant that's not what their that's not what their their hope is in, and the reason why is because they're not just hoping in the land; they're hoping in the God who 
has made these promises. Yeah. So their ultimate pursuit is not a piece of land. Um, their their ultimate pursuit is God. Mm-hmm. And the <clears throat> unbelieving Israelites, they don't want that God. So we see that that their idolatry and their worldly mindedness go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Whenever they whenever they go after false gods, all of a sudden they just want whatever they can get in this life. Yeah. But the believing remnant, starting with Abraham, um, he's he is not satisfied with just earthly stuff because he's pursuing God. He's pursuing the true God. Mm. So they they go hand in hand. Um, so these prosperity preachers who are saying, well, if you are an Andy Stanley, who's sounding very much like a prosperity preacher with his elevator pitch, um, this your life will be better, and you'll have health, and you'll have wealth, and you you know you sow the seed of faith, and you'll 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 reap you know um, riches, and um, I I would say that they're chasing after another god, yeah, because that the the indication that they're chasing after another god is that their focus is on this earth, yeah. So if they if they were focusing on resurrection, uh-huh. that's a good indication that they're they're chasing after something more than than just physical pleasure yeah they're chasing after the real god Mm -hmm. and last one faith got them to god so therefore god is not ashamed to be called their god Mm. and he has prepared for them a city yeah looking for a city george almost time oh no we're getting close aren't we yeah we are (laughs) i'm gonna pull it up actually (laughs) yeah well, they, they desire God's city because they want to be where God is. Um, and so God's not ashamed to be called their God. We can look at, um, at Exodus. We can look at Exodus chapter 3 when, when God appears to, uh, to Moses in the burning bush. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not ashamed to be called their God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's prepared for them a city. They, they want God, and so that's their reward. And I, I feel like so many Christians, they um, they chase after these lesser things. I know that I, I've I've been guilty of it too. We want we want these earthly things, we want the gifts, and really the greatest reward is God Himself. And um, there's there's so many passages that I wanted to look at. There just there just wasn't time. I mean, we could look at Psalm 46 um, and the city. Um, we could look at Psalm 48, mm-hmm. this beautiful um, eschatological city, um, Psalm 87, Isaiah 33, Revelation 21 and 22. Um, God's prepared a city for his people. He's prepared a place for them. And it's important to note that this is a real place. Yeah. Like, we're not going to be floating on clouds. We're going to be on a new earth. New earth. And God has prepared a place for us. Mm-hmm. Um now the the language that's used in in Revelation twenty one and twenty two that there's there's symbolism, but the the symbolism is to communicate a real place. It's it's to communicate a reality, and um, God's people will live there, um, and so God has preser- he's he's prepared this place for those who have faith, and so we are encouraged not to fall back, don't fall back, persevere. Yeah. So you can get you can get to this place. Yeah. Don't don't be satisfied with this world and the things that this this world um, offers. Yeah, God has prepared something much better mm-hmm. and something that will actually remain 
for his people yeah. who persevere by faith. That's good, George. All right. Since you hung in there for an hour and 23 minutes. You're going to punish them? You've got a great reward here. <laughs> Larry. Your faith has been rewarded. Larry, prepare to be amazed by the great performance of Looking for a City. Well, this next and final song is going to be one that has made me pretty famous over the last few years. Uh, it has <laughs> pretty famous. Me a lot of places I didn't think I would be at. Um, but it was the first time on stage, New Year's Eve 2002, uh, with one of the best quartets out there today, Brian Free and Assurance. And I was pri uh, privileged to be able to sing this one with Brian Free. And uh, I don't know if I beat him that night or not, but ever since uh, then we've had competitions, I've wore him out. Um, not to make me look good or anything, but that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I know you love when people also, say that. <laughs> uh, my friends at my hometown church. Not to make me look good or anything, but that's just what happened. <laughs> I just destroyed him. I could razzle dazzle that's you church with the church in Salisbury, North Carolina. <laughs> has uh, really made uh, their top choice. So therefore, we're going to finish off with this one. It's called Looking for a City. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Looking for a city built above. Looking for a city. Satan millions never <laughs> say goodbye. <laughs> there it gets better, Larry. And our love was to come, a Holy Spirit, or our homes renewed. Looking for a city where I never die. Where the Satan millions. <laughs> He's gonna keep getting higher and higher. Larry's crying. <laughs> he's overlooking like at the piano, like oh, he's standing up. How? How? How is it allowed? Oh, man. Oh. Drink of water. Never <laughs> He's just going to quit sometime. Come, <laughs> 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 
<laughs> you see his hand. It's, oh my. You got to watch it. It's better if you watch it. And if you just listen. That's all I'm doing. See ya. See ya, George. That's all we're doing today, folks. Yeah. What See a way ya. to what a way to end. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Former Christ Podcast, also known as the greatest podcast right now. Where else can you hear looking for a city? Mm-hmm. We're bringing you that premium content. Like looking for a city. Yep. Next episode, George is gonna perform that live. <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna wanna listen to that. But I am gonna give George a surprise. Uh, next time we have uh, Free For All Friday, this Friday. Oh, so you're going to have to come back to see that. And it's not a video. I will tell you that. It's not a video and it's not a cream soda. Okay. So come back. Hopefully you will <laughs> for that video. <laughs> Please give us a like, subscribe, share, share it with your friends. As our hope as always, this helps you to be conformed to Christ. See you next time for Free For All Friday.